You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. We're, we're hopeful for to, that there's a chance to get him eligible. If there isn't a chance to get him eligible, we're hoping we can get him into school. And, you know, I, I said this yesterday to a couple people that asked me, but once a kid commits to us, we're committed to them. And uh, it doesn't matter if, you know, we find somebody better that we think might be a little better. We're committed to them. If they get hurt their senior year, we're still going to be committed to them because we feel like our word needs to mean something. Maurice has been through some hard things in the last couple of years, and I think that's kind of affected him in the classroom. But uh, we made a decision to, to go with him, and when he committed to us, we're going to be committed to him. So whatever path he has to take or whatever he has to work on to get uh, done what he needs to get done, we're going to be, you know, supporting him and right there with him through the whole process. And welcome here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, and Nate Klaus as uh, we are going to talk a lot of things. Uh, had a chance on Thursday morning uh, to have about 20 minutes on the phone with Scott Frost, and we talked about a number of different issues that we're going to get to uh, throughout really this entire show. But out of the gates, uh, we wanted to start with a story that we've really been on top of all week, uh, the Maurice Washington situation. Uh, we first got alerted that you know there's been some change in the plan when Mike Mattia, our longtime uh, veteran writer, spoke with uh, Washington's coach in Texas, and he said that Washington's no longer uh, with them in school. He's back in California, and that led us to uh, check in with Nebraska to kind of find out the latest on him, and at this point, uh, Nebraska, well aware of everything, uh, Washington was expelled from his school in Texas. Um, he's back in California taking classes. Nebraska does expect him to graduate, but here's uh, kind of the gray area. Um, he's going to be short on the core credit hours because of missing most of his junior, junior year of high school. He should meet the academic ACT and GPA requirements, though. And if he does that, Nate, uh, Nebraska is looking at going uh, the academic redshirt route. It's a little-known rule that was passed by the NCAA in 2016 that lets uh, guys that are short on the core credit hours come into school and uh, practice beyond scholarship, just not be eligible for competition that first year. Yeah, and it's uh, it's not a necessarily a bad thing. I mean, I, I feel like um, if you are short, and you know, obviously you have to meet uh, certain requirements. Still, you you still have to have a, a test score and a, um, a GPA to, to qualify. Uh, but if you are short a certain percentage of your core credit hours, uh, you can be eligible to be an academic redshirt and, and really still take advantage of being a part of the team and working out and, and you know, uh, being on scholarship and, and uh, being able to eat at the, the training table and strength and conditioning, so on and so forth. But, uh, but you just won't be eligible to play that first year. And a lot of times I feel like with some you know, incoming freshmen, the opportunity to to not have any pressure on you to perform, to to just focus on your academics and and become acclimated to the college life is not necessarily a bad thing. And and for a guy like Maurice, th this could end up working out pretty darn well. Well, the nice part about it is they don't necessarily need him to come in and play right away because for one, uh, they have several guys capable of holding down that running back spot. And um, Sean, in your interview with uh, Frost, you know, he also brought up Trey Bryant coming back into that mix and they're excited about his potential they expect him to be full go uh, for the start of fall camp uh, and if he's back in the mix all of a sudden you have potentially three maybe even four guys uh, that will be competing for that starting job entering fall camp and so not having a guy like Maurice Washington obviously a great talent but I don't think it's going to 
be anything that's going to totally hinder uh, that position this season. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as uh, we discuss what Scott Frost had to say here in our interview that we had with him on Thursday morning and uh, some other roster news. And we kind of knew this was coming as well. Um, it just took some time for it to get publicly released that Noah Vedral um, received his physical scholarship release from UCF. Um, he had a very valid case in order to get the release. Uh, Nebraska now put Noah Vedral on scholarship. So if you take off um, Brian Brokop, who officially hasn't announced on Twitter he's leaving, even though his Twitter profile page says former Husker player Brian Brokop, um, they're at 86 scholarships, Nate, and um, it, it's a good spot. I mean, they're not worried. I know just the the, the worry ward and everybody's like, we're, we're over the limit, but uh, they're at 86 now when you count Noah Vedral. Yeah, and these things always have a way of working them, themselves out, uh, and I think that's exactly what's going to happen here. I think that um, you know, being at 86, heading into uh, you know, heading into summer conditioning, and I think is is really a pretty pretty good spot to be in because you you still have the opportunity or or you know likelihood of losing a couple guys uh, due to transfers are are still pretty high, um, you know, and and maybe even if you're under the 85 limit, it'll allow you to to give a, a walk on uh, a scholarship or two heading into to next season. But I, I think this is a good spot to be in if you're Nebraska. Nebraska, um, you know, and, and uh, you know, kind of maximizing that roster, which is something this coaching staff definitely has has uh, you know put out there that they're going to do each and every year. Other roster news: uh, Robin hinted on this. Trey Bryant, they're excited to get him back on the field in August. Uh, Michael Decker, um, they don't really know his status for the summer at this point. Um, you know, they're just trying to get a read on kind of where he's at, 100% healthy. Um, in the meantime, I asked him if Tanner Farmer could be working more at center. Frost said, Robin, that all of his guards uh, can play center, and that's kind of what they're looking to do with guys like Tanner Farmer, even a Bo Wilson, or um, any any guy any guy on that interior line. Yeah, Tanner Farmer makes sense to me. Uh, for one, he's one of your most veteran guys, and that center position, as we all know, is so important. Just kind of being um, the quote unquote quarterback of that offensive line, making the calls, um, you know, the adjustments pre-snap, and so there's a lot of responsibility that you can't just throw some guy that's never played in a meaningful game uh, out there and expect him to just run the show and so I, I i kind of unless depending what happens with decker i would not be surprised one bit if farmer is your starting center on september 1st um, and then you know obviously the, that gives the opportunity for bo wilson to finally show what he's made of there's been a lot of excitement around him uh, for a couple years now and he may finally get his window to join that starting lineup and um, if he does uh, it wouldn't surprise me one bit if he doesn't let go of that spot uh, for the rest of his career you're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we go through uh, the news and notes that came out of the week. Uh, Nebraska also got good news. It was late Thursday afternoon. Breon Dixon uh, cleared by the NCAA to be immediately eligible, and that's a big one, Nate, uh, because he looks like he could be a true difference maker on the edge. I, I wrote this week that I think he could be one of the more impactful newcomers on defense in the entire Big Ten. I mean, he really has an opportunity with a new scheme, a lot of kind of questions at outside linebacker, and I think having him back really helps solidify some of those questions now going into August. Yeah, it, I guarantee you Nebraska's coaching staff is really, really happy to, to be able to have Breon Dixon eligible immediately because he's a guy who is going to be – I mean, he's a playmaker there at that spot and really fits that role perfectly in terms of 
being athletic enough um, to to get after the quarterback to to rush off the edge, but but not a, only do that, but uh, being able to cover and you know with his kind of background as a safety, I think uh, gives him you know kind of those those coverage abilities and something that that um, they don't have too much of at that spot on this team. You know, obviously a guy like Luke Gifford has uh, you know started out at safety, so he has some of those same qualities too. But um, to to have Breon Dixon eligible immediately. Is, is going to be a really big deal to this defense. Yeah, I think Breon Dixon has a chance to be the best player on this defense um, across the board. So having him eligible right away this season is absolutely <coughs> huge, especially given the position that he plays and the um, versatility required to both play kind of a hybrid defensive back and linebacker. I don't think there's a player on this roster that can do that as well as he can. But what's going to be interesting, and uh, this was another thing, Sean, you reported about Gifford, um, you know, they obviously expect him to be fully back uh, for the start of fall camp after missing spring ball or recovery from an off-season surgery and it's going to be um, fun to watch what they do with uh, he and Dixon you know they're obviously they're kind of starting at that same linebacker spot but Frost didn't rule out the opportunity for them both to be on the field together uh, potentially moving one or the other to the other side because um, you know they're going to stick with that philosophy of our left be- right yeah our, our best 11 guys are going to be on the field and if Luke Gifford emerges along with Breon Dixon as their best two outside linebackers um, they're going to get them on the field one way or another. So, I mean, depending on how Gifford comes back after a significant time off, um, we'll obviously answer a lot of questions there. But there is a possibility that, uh, you know, they could find ways to get both those guys on the field together at the same time. Okay, well, when we come back, we're going to tell you, will Nebraska have captains under Scott Frost in 2018? I got the answer from him on that, and you'll hear that next. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. No, I don't think this year we're going to have just announced four captains like maybe we did back in the day at Nebraska. Um, we got a lot of work to do to help train our leaders and get leaders established. And, and probably this year it'll be uh, a rotation of, of guys that we use as captains for games that are that come out of that pool of our, our best leaders. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. That was head coach Scott Frost telling me his plans for captains. And it's been interesting when you study the coaching changes that have happened at Nebraska since Frank Solich was fired. Everybody's kind of done the captain thing a little bit differently. In 2004, Bill Callahan named a sophomore captain. That was the first time in school history, Joe Daly. He had Ross Pilkington, who was in his first year really as a starter, named a captain. Josh Bullocks was a junior captain. They had just one senior captain. Uh, and, and he kind of, you know, he changed it up over his time. Bo Pelini did not name permanent captains. Instead, he had rotating weekly captains, and at the end of the year, they named them. Mike Riley, on the other hand, kind of had a different captain plan every year. His first year, he just named the six best players on the team the captains, and some of those guys were deserving, and I think there may be some questions of, you know, were certain players ready to be a captain at that point? Um, the following year, they had team voting, and the players voted. Well, Tommy Armstrong, your four-year starting quarterback, wasn't named a captain, so that created a lot of friction in the locker room. In the third year under Mike Riley, they had what was really a controlled vote, where the coaches 
kind of controlled what players could even be voted for at certain positions, et cetera, uh, for the captains. And uh, this year, when Scott Frost looks at how he's going to do it, Robin, he's going to do something a little bit differently. He's not going to name captains. He's looking at, over time, establishing a unity council and probably going to a rotating weekly captain uh, deal this this uh, this season. Yeah, and I kind of like that idea, especially considering the circumstances they're in right now. When you have a new coaching change, um, we saw what happens when you do the Mike Riley route and just handpick your leaders and expect them to be well the Andy guys. Janovich got left off exactly and then obviously one guy was a captain in 2015 who wasn't a captain in 2016 and so I mean there are things that can go very wrong with that and kind of throw off uh, everything you're trying to do as far as building leadership and I so I think by establishing a pool of guys who you know everybody knows who the leaders are but to sit there and single out this guy is more of a leader than this guy you run the risk of you know setting things back as far as that is that natural progression of guys filling into that leadership role. And so by doing this, obviously you give everybody the opportunity to have that voice. And I think naturally over the course of this next year, um, you'll just start to have guys that are truly identified as captains and maybe um, going into next season, uh, they do go full-time captains. But I think for the here and now, this is the best plan uh, because not only do you give other people um, that might not get the opportunity to step up as leaders, um, you're not singling out guys that you expect to be leaders that might not be up to the task. Yeah, I like it because it gives everyone to kind of prove it. You know, this is a prove it year, and uh, you got a new coaching staff, new schemes, so on and so forth. And and uh, and so you know, you're if you're deserving to be a captain, go out and prove it. And so because uh, with something like this, I don't think you want to leave any doubt there. Um, and if you make a if you make a bad you know, decision and, and name someone a captain who's not deserving, or to you know name someone a captain who really hasn't proven anything, um, you know, I think that can that can can lead to some some friction uh, in the locker room and and some in some areas that that you don't necessarily want or need to de- you know to deal with, uh, especially as you as you kind of kickstart a new regime. So um, I, I like the way he's handling it, and and you know I think the guys will probably embrace this as an opportunity to go out there and you know and, and say hey I want to be a captain next year. I'm going to go out and, and I'm going to I'm going to prove that I'm worthy of being that guy. Yeah, under Mike Riley, it just felt like there had to be the quarterback captain. I mean. They wanted that no matter what i mean tanner lee i'm not saying he shouldn't have been a captain uh, but he was in his first year gerald foster was voted a captain and he never really started more than two games in his career so it was an interesting process how it happened last year with how the coaches kind of controlled the balloting process versus the year before where it was strictly uh, organically run by the players i think frost wants to get to that with this unity council and i look at guys like stanley morgan um, slam dunk. I mean, I think he, you know, if you were naming permanent captains, he would be one. I think Mick Stoltenberg uh, would be would would be a guy that fits that category. Then you've got Tanner Farmer, you've got Gerald Foster on the offensive line, you've got Aaron Williams, Luke Gifford. I mean, I feel like there's six guys in that senior group right there. I just mentioned. I mean, then, then you can peel back to even to a Dedrick Young. I don't know if he's captain material, but there's enough options there and. Um, personally, I'd like to see Nebraska get away from naming underclassmen captains. I think that's been kind of a hot-button deal to, to give a sophomore, even a junior, a captain opportunity um, where traditionally it usually is seniors that take on that honor. Yeah, and it just sets up yourself up for a, a situation like you had with Tommy Armstrong where you pick, appoint him a captain early on going into his junior year and then obviously it doesn't work out. And you know he just doesn't 
latch on to that captain um, title that you would hope he would. And so I think that I think the senior route for one is a reward for the hard work you put in over the course of your career. It's something you strive for to, you know, earn that respect uh, going into your final year. And, you know, it's, it's a, a title you take with a lot of pride with. And so I, I with, I'm with you. Um, but I think, again, this is going to be something that isn't just going to be put in place on year one. They're mm-hmm. going to develop it over the course of, you know, at least this first season, maybe on through next season. And it's probably going to be up to the players to decide how quickly they go to finalizing a true year in, year out captain system. Well, the thing that sticks out to me about what Coach Frost said, too, is that they're they're still training their leaders. They, they're still doing certain things and, and training um, guys to be leaders the way they want them to lead and the way they want them to handle themselves and, and to do things. And um, and and I think if if you're still in that in that you know period where guys aren't doing things the right way or exactly how you want them to be done, you do have to train them and lead them the right way and show them the way. Um, and so and, and, and until you have a, a, a you know a viable pool of players that do lead the way that you like them to lead, uh, I don't think it's I don't think it's wise to go ahead and name leaders or name captains until you're at that point. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we discuss storylines from our conversation with Scott Frost. And players uh, begin reporting uh, to Lincoln this summer uh, starting May 22nd. And and really everybody from the recruiting class will be on campus other than Maurice Washington and offensive lineman Willie Canty. We've already discussed Washington's situation. Canty um, (coughs) is continuing to work on some academic things as well. So uh, they're getting those things ironed out. But uh, this is the earliest Nebraska's freshmen have been able to report. Nebraska was able to get a waiver from the NCAA that allows almost two extra weeks on campus where they could provide room and board. Um, and that's always the the thing. You know, they would probably have these guys here as early as possible, but someone's got to pay for the food and someone's got to pay for the housing. Well, Nebraska's been able to work that out. And I, I think that two extra weeks, Robin, is going to go a long way in just the physical and even mental development of this football team. Yeah, it's huge. I mean, compared to basically getting to campus and having – you know, a matter of days, if not weeks, uh, to adjust to college life, to a new city, to a new campus, new people around you, a new team, and then start hitting the practice field and be expected to perform from day one. That's a lot to put on a freshman. And so the earlier you can get a kid on campus, the more advantageous it is, not only for the team to have a better player for the start of fall camp, but certainly for the player to have, get his feet under him, um, you know, let him settle into his new surroundings, know what the expectations are with strength and conditioning, with the new nutrition program with the academic side of things. Um, and then by the time that first practice rolls around, you have a much more prepared player uh, that can hit the ground running far better than they would under different circumstances. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I th- the way that used to um, kind of happen is players would show up the, the you know on a, on a Saturday or Sunday, get moved into the dorms, and then Monday, uh, not only would strength and conditioning and summer workouts start, but classes would also start. So, I mean, it would be just a whirlwind of a 24 hours. And, and then the conditioning test too, Nate, right? Yeah. I mean, that, that, that would take sometimes over a week for guys, yeah, correct? Yeah, exactly. To, to pass the beep test, which... You know, most guys who fail it aren't—they don't fail it because they're they're out of shape necessarily. They they fail it because they're they're nervous about it or they don't they don't do it the right way. But um, you know, I think it reminds me of you know back in the day. I think it probably ended right around the Solich era, where the freshmen would come in two or three days before fall camp or or two or three days early before everyone else had to report, and they kind of had their own acclimation period. Uh, and that's what it kind of reminds me of is is how 
how uh, Tom Osborne and how uh, you know Frank Solich used to operate back in the day, and, and I think it's a good a good deal. And what's going to be interesting to me is will they be able to continue to get this waiver from the NCAA to do this, or is this kind of a one time deal? Well, when we come back, we're going to talk more about a newcomer, Cameron Jurgens. I had a chance to interview Cam last week as he won the district title in both shot and disc. He's going to try to win the shot put for the third year in a row, the discus for the fourth year in a row as he's coming off injury. As I talked to Cam, and Scott Frost shared a couple interesting nuggets about Cam. Uh, all of that will be next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, as it's the state track meet going on right now, both Friday and Saturday in Omaha at Burke Stadium. And from a Husker standpoint, one of the better storylines going on in Omaha is Cameron Jurgens, the, the only in-state recruit in this year's recruiting class, came back um, and he threw the shot put at districts. It was kind of a surprise last Thursday in Fairbury. I had the chance to go out to Fairbury. I talked with Jurgens at the districts as he won the shot put with a throw of 59-4, also took home uh, the crown in the discus. Now, Jurgens will go uh, for the chance to be a four-time shot put champion, a three-time, excuse me, a four-time discus champion, and a three-time shot put champion. He's the favorite right now going into the Class B shot. He's um, you know, in the conversation as well uh, for the discus. And this is all coming off a broken leg injury and a dislocated ankle he suffered on October 20th. It was the first time he went back into competition since that time. And here's my full conversation with Jurgens. We're with Cameron Jurgens here, 2018 Nebraska recruit, uh, fresh off your, your injury, Cam. You haven't played in competition since October 20th. You, you win the discus and the shot put today. Um, both pretty good marks considering you only had really a couple days of practice. Yeah, I mean, it's good just getting out here, but I mean, just kind of decided last week I wanted to do this and went to practice Monday, felt okay, and practiced a little bit Tuesday and went out here and let it rip. So, I mean, just going off two days of practice, I think that's pretty good. You went almost 60 feet in the shot on your second throw. I think it was 59, uh, what, six or eight. Um, for you to do that, I mean, how much adrenaline did you have in you just to get that throw out of you and kind of kind of get that mark down right away? Yeah, I was pretty happy. I mean, my first throw was 55, so I knew I was qualified already. So I just let one rip, and I felt I was pretty surprised it went that far because it didn't feel like I really hit my footwork or had too great of a throw, but went out there. And then, I mean, discus, I wish it would have went a little better. It took five throws to qualify, but got it eventually, and that's all that matters is getting the state. Yeah, there was kind of a long layoff between when you threw that last shot and the disc throws. I mean, how tight did you get? I mean, knowing that you really haven't had the training uh, that you normally are going to have to kind of be ready for a day like today. Yeah, having it so far apart, I'd fought, uh, throwing that first fly and then all the way back in finals, and there was good, like, almost an hour in between them. So ankle gets a little tight in between, but stretch it back out and worked out okay. What's been the hardest part of the last six months? Um, I mean, you've been a guy that's played sports your whole life, year-round, three sports, sometimes even four when you do track in the summer. Uh, I mean, what, what's it been like for you just the last several months uh, not really being able to do anything? Yeah, just sitting out. Basketball is really tough, watching my team from the bench and not being able to do much, and that was really tough, not being able to participate and help the team when I know I could have and stuff like that and just not being able to do the things I used to be able to do 
but I'm getting back to it. Uh, yeah, the crutches sucked. I hated it. Four months on them, but, I mean, looking on the bright side, it could have been a lot worse. I could have did something else, but I'm back here feeling good right now. You told me it was March 26. You didn't think you were going to be able to do this. What, what kind of changed your mind to make today possible, and, and why did you want to be out here? Oh, well, my ankle's feeling good, and I just won, you know, one last hurrah with my guys. You know, we're going to have a lot of guys coming to state, and it will be good being able to finish the year with them and, you know, finish off my high school career with something I started with. And your mom's your thrower's coach, and, I mean, this will be kind of the last time she gets to coach you. I mean, how how um, just emotional and special is it for you to kind of have this one last chance to have your mom coach you at state track now? I mean, it's pretty awesome thinking about it. I mean, she definitely – when I was like, oh, no, I ain't throwing. I'm not at the start. I'm like, I don't want to throw, don't want to do it. And she was like, oh, I think you should, nagging me on the entire year. So I think, I mean, a lot of it's throwing for her too. You know, she definitely wanted me out here and be able to come out here and have her coach you one more time. That would be pretty cool. It's May 10th, less than two weeks. You'll be moving into Nebraska, starting your college career. Uh, what are you looking forward to the most? Just grinding, you know, getting up there and putting work in. Are you full go for running, lifting? I mean, are you going to go right into it right away on May 22nd? Yeah, pretty much full go. I'm still going to be doing a lot of rehab up there and getting everything back to normal. But, yeah, I'm able to do quite a bit of stuff right now. Well, Cam, congratulations. I know everyone was excited to see you back out here today competing, and now you'll get a chance to defend those titles in Omaha next week. Thank you. Sean Callahan here back on the Husker Online Show and also had the chance to talk with head coach Scott Frost about Jurgens, as there are a lot of similarities between the two. We discussed those similarities some more here in our talk on Thursday. And then uh, Cameron Jurgens, he got back throwing this last week. When you when you look at Cam, um, do, you, do you see a little bit of yourself in him? His mom's a shot put thrower, All-American. Um, she's his coach like your mom was. And um, how excited were you to see him hit almost 60 feet on the shot on his first throw back? Yeah, the, the kid's a special athlete. Uh, he's He's got athletic ability and power that's rare. And uh, mom actually knows his mother. They, they threw it uh, against each other and uh, – and I've actually continued to throw against each other in some senior events, so uh, they know each other real well, and, and I relate to Cam real well. He's a small-town kid with, uh, with unbelievable athletic ability, and, and we're excited about what he's going to be able to do. Were you surprised to see him back throwing? Because I know in March he told me that he probably wasn't going to do it, but I think his mom and them talked, and he's like, hey, I want to I try it one more time. Yeah, I'm encouraging him to do it, and I'm, I'm glad to see him out there. Uh, he's really talented, and it'd be a shame not to use that. In fact, I'll probably try to encourage him to, to go out and throw in the spring and try to help Coach Pepin, too. So uh, it's we got the Davis twins throwing right now, and they both qualified for regionals in the disc, and uh, it'd be great to, uh, to have some football players a part of the track program. And once again, we wish Cameron Jurgens the best of luck here this weekend as he tries to defend his titles in both the shot put in the discus at the state track meet in Omaha. And as you heard Scott Frost say, um, he'd even like to see Cam throw the shot in the disc for Nebraska on the track here, just like the Davis twins are doing. That will be an interesting story to follow over the next few years. When we come back on the show, we're going to take your questions in the mailbag. That's next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Yeah, you know, I grew up like you did watching Nebraska play Oklahoma on Black Friday, and it, it's a it's a 
it's a great tradition uh, here to play on that day. Um, so I, I know Iowa's all for it, and I know Bill Moose and I are all for it. So uh, hopefully we can land in a place where we're playing a, uh, the same opponent every year on that Friday, and I, I think that's what Nebraska fans are used to. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show as Scott Frost continues to try to undo all of the things that Sean Eichhorst and Mike Riley did wrong as backing Nebraska out of the Black Friday series with Iowa still will go down as one of the bigger head-scratching administrative decisions we've seen in a while at Nebraska, um, among many things. But you heard it right there. Scott Frost told me that um, he wants to see Nebraska and Iowa play. He wants to play on Black Friday against Iowa. Bill Moose does. Iowa does. We know that that is the direction uh, things are, are probably heading. But it is the mailbag time. Back with us, David Eicholt. Um, we still got you here for the summer. I should announce that Matt Reynoldson, our other intern, was going to be with us today. He announced um, this week that he is, got his first job at Channel 8 in Lincoln, um, starting out as a sports reporter. So congratulations, Matt. Uh, we know you're going to do great things uh, over at Channel 8. But, Dave, what do you got for us here out of the mailbag? Uh, with Washington status in question, where does that put Miles Jones' importance, and who else could be the, that position player? I still think you got to look at Trey Bryant. I mean, to me, you know Greg Bell is going to play. I think they they feel comfortable enough about some of their other backs, but they don't really know who that second guy is going to be. I feel comfortable saying Greg Bell is going to be one of them. I think that second spot is kind of a wild card between what Jones or Trey Bryant or maybe a Wilbano Zigbo or Bradley can give you. But the good thing is they have options. Yeah, I think that that Miles Jones, uh, he's going to play a lot, but he might even have an opportunity to play a little bit more. Uh, you know, now that Washington's more than likely not going to be uh, playing this fall. And so, um, you know, I, I think that's that's probably a good thing uh, for Miles Jones, but I, I don't I don't think that Washington was going to be a guy that that uh, you know ever had a you know a, a huge huge impact. I I thought that he would play as a true freshman, but I didn't necessarily think that he was going to be the guy by any stretch. So uh, to not have him available to me is not a huge you know a huge loss. What's the number of true freshmen to contribute this fall? Ooh, let me pull up the distribution chart because you know you're, you're going to always have a group every year. Adrian Martinez, Miles Jones, that's two. Um, I think at receiver you're going to have at least one play. I'll say Dominic Watt. Um, I don't know if you'll have two. Uh, they've got Legron, McGriff, Andre Hunt. Um, so I've got three right now on the offensive line. I don't see anybody on the defensive line. Um, Wildeman and Rogers. I think you'd want to redshirt those guys. I think Caleb Tanner would be four. I think Cam Jones is five. I don't know about C.J. Smith, where he factors in. I think you'll see at least one of those two corners. I'll say six to seven, then you got Barrett Pickening. You might see seven or eight freshmen play, Nate. Yeah, I, I think it might even be a couple more than that. Um, I, I think seven or eight is probably uh, you know, more than likely to happen, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's you know, if you could add a couple more guys in there. You know, I, you know, a player uh, like uh, Katarian Legrone uh, or, or even Justin McGriff, who's already been on campus, who flashed uh, this past spring, uh, I would not be surprised in the least bit if either one of those two. So that's two more added to that seven or eight right there. So um, I think we're going to probably look at or see you know, half that signing class, half those incoming true freshmen, you know, have an opportunity to to you know have some sort of impact this fall. Well, I think when you look at uh, obviously the number of early enrollees they had, that 
naturally increases the likelihood of true freshmen seeing it. And then also uh, just some of the depth concerns at certain positions that these guys are coming in at. The opportunity is wide open for these guys to come in right away, have good falls, and find a place in the rotation. So, yeah, I think I'm, I'm with you guys. I think probably seven is likely, and as Nate hinted, there'd probably be maybe a couple more than that when all said and done. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. We're taking your questions in the mailbag with Husker Online intern David Eichel. Did the lack of official visits available hurt Nebraska this spring and summer in recruiting, or would things have looked the same as they do now regardless? I I think things would look the same regardless. I I don't think that – I mean, here's how I look at it. In the past, Nebraska has never used official visits to get guys on campus for the spring game or for junior days or anything like that, Uh, and they didn't do it this year. And so I don't know that – uh, had they had more visits, I, I don't know that they would have, you know, really pushed to get a bunch of guys on campus, uh, you know, as far as official visitors go either. Because, you know, based off of a lot of, of what uh, Scott Frost has kind of said, they they want to save those official visits for the fall and then for for after the season. So, um, I, to me, I think things would look pretty much the exact same as as they uh, as they are right now, even if Nebraska had uh, a bunch of official visits available to use. The spring. I do think, though, over time, Nate, that they want to probably have like five to eight officials probably used from the spring period to the summer because there are just going to be situations where maybe you are only going to get that swing at a guy to come in in the summer or the spring. Uh, but the number situation this year just made that impossible. Yeah, it's going to be a little bit different going forward. I think that, uh, you know, I, I, th- I think that especially here in the 2020 class and beyond when they have those established relationships and they know that it's probably only going to take, you know, one official visit for a guy to, to be, get on campus and for him to commit, then I think that, that we could see, you know, a little bit of a difference going forward. But um, I don't know that, that we're ever really going to see the staff push for a ton of guys to come in the spring. If you were the new coach for Nebraska football, where do you think you would need to focus your attention as priority number one to turn it around as fast as possible? Well, I think Frost has already addressed that, but it's culture. Um, just the right type of attitude, the blue-collar Nebraska way of doing things, um, You know, just putting your head down and going to work, not about the flash, not about the tweets, the social media graphics, but about just getting in the weight room. Uh, doing the things you're supposed to do on and off the field and building that culture from the ground up with the players. Yeah, that's 1A. And 1B is probably strength and conditioning. I mean, this team was not a very physically fit football team. Uh, I mean, we saw uh, the way the last season went. I mean, they were in the trenches, just got dominated on both sides. Um, They weren't physical tackling. And with the style of offense, obviously, they're taking on now. um, They're not nearly in the condition they need to be in any area. So that is probably priority number one, along with establishing that culture from turning a, a program that hasn't experienced success uh, in a long time, uh, in turn, turning it into a winning culture, you also got to get yourself ready to play physically. And I think that's what Zach Duvall is, as we said, maybe one of the most important members of this coaching staff right here and now. Yeah, there's no question. I, I think that it's strength conditioning and, and the nutritional aspect of everything. And uh, the, the type of gains and the, di- the difference that that can make, I think, leads to more confidence and leads to um, you know, a, a shift in the culture uh, as well. So I, I, if I were the new coach, yeah, that would be my, my number one priority is, is strength conditioning and nutrition. When it comes to recruiting, how big of a deal is the Nebraska emphasis on getting a degree and not just playing football? Well, I think it's important everywhere um, <laughs> because you're going to get hit with the APR. Um, you have to have players graduate. Otherwise, you will 
get scholarship reductions because you don't meet the academic progress uh, rate from the NCAA on the APR. But yeah, it is about life after football in the grand scheme of it. And Nebraska, Nate, you know this better than anyone because you've taken recruits around on visits when you worked at Nebraska. Um, the, the life skills program at Nebraska is second to none. Yeah, it's. I mean, really, the academic support and the life skills program um, are are by far and away the best in the nation. Um, and the life skills program in particular, that's virtually unmatched. No one really has anything like what Nebraska has uh, in, in that respect. So that's it's a huge selling point. It's something that, that the coaches um, go out of their way to make part of, of their recruiting pitches. Not only are you going to play football at a tradition-rich place like Nebraska where the fans love you, blah, 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 but you are – going to graduate you are going to have an opportunity to to be very successful after your playing career um, and 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 along the way you might even have the opportunity to become an, an academic all-american by the way which is something that we lead the nation in yeah I was just about to mention that that's a number one recruiting pitch they point to the list of the uh, long long list of academic all-americans this program has pumped out over the years and uh, that doesn't go on notice um, you know I think a lot of the kids that pick Nebraska, um, especially with the families. Uh, and this goes across all sports, too. It's not just football. I mean, this is a thing that Nebraska athletics really hang their hat on, is the academic support that can not only help you turn into a good athlete, but as a, a well-rounded scholar and as a person. And that, that does not go um, certainly under the table whatsoever. It is put there prominently during recruiting pitches and on visits. All right, we got time for one more here in the mailbag. Which intern would win in a celebrity deathmatch type throwdown? I got my big baller guy, David Eichel, man. I, I, I think you got the scrap. You got the heart. I've, we've always said of our two interns, you're a loose ball guy. I mean, yeah. if, there, if there's a loose ball, I'm putting my money on you to get the loose ball. Throw an elbow to fire up the team. Now, Matt has the advantage of the – I mean, he's a little smart guy. He's a re, former region scholar, but you got the heart. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's what it's all about. I really do think that. I got the reach, too. Um 160 pounds of What's chiseled your steel. Six six. Oh uh, yeah, about six 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 seven. Uh, 160 pounds of chiseled steel. I mean, I'm ready to go at it. Yeah. Well, I know David listens to hardcore rap, so he would get that uh, going in his head and probably put a big baller boot right on Matt's throat. I can't disagree with anything that's already been said. <laughs> True story. Our, David's first year, he was with us at Iowa for the game. I think it was the first year at Iowa, and I'm going in the concierge for breakfast, and David's room is right next to the concierge. And I'm like, God, I hear this. I mean, he had he had rap, <laughs> he had rap music blaring at like it was an early seven a.m. in I the was morning. Probably, it was probably seven fifteen. Yeah. I'm like, what are you doing, dude? He goes, I'm just getting hyped up for the day. <laughs> so, true story. David Eichel does like to get hyped up. That's what I do uh, with some rap, music. caffeine and rap music, and I'm ready to go. <laughs> All right, whatever well, you need. I hope we'll have you back. This is not going to be your last show with us. We're going to have no, you back no. in studio here through the summer. So. Um, I'm not saying my goodbye to you quite yet. Okay, good. We, we got Matt's good. goodbye. But Can't get rid of me this easy. When we come back, let's talk some recruiting to close the show with Nate Klaus. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I'm going to try to attend some. We're also going to have some kids on campus visiting in June. Uh, so if a kid, if we have kids visiting, I'll be here and I'll, I'll just send uh, some of the assistants out. So we kind of have a, a game plan right now for which ones we're going to, and we're going to have to kind of play it by ear to see which coaches can attend which ones. Uh, we know which ones we're attending, but which guys go will probably depend on who's on campus and who's here visiting 
And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus. Final segment as we talk some recruiting, and that was Scott Frost with me talking about the satellite camp plan. Nebraska released a lengthy schedule of camps uh, that they will be taking part in around the country. And uh, just kind of to our suspicion, Nate, as we talk recruiting, um, it's going to be a more of a piecemeal effort of kind of which camps the staff will go to. Frost didn't even really disclose which camps he attends, but I'd imagine – He's going to probably only go to a handful, maybe one or two, possibly three camps around the country. Yeah, well, it's it's interesting when you look at the schedule because um, not only are there multiple satellite camps across the country on on the same days in a lot of instances, but there's also, in some instances, a camp taking place at Nebraska during that day. Um, And then when you, you put on top of that... The, like Scott Frost said in that audio clip, that there's, they're planning to have some visitors on campus too in the month of June, uh, which is going to impact their, their their travel schedule or who goes where. So uh, they're going to have to juggle quite a bit. But I, I like the plan. They're being aggressive. You only have ten days in the month of June where you can be where you can have uh, bodies camp, out on the road. Camp, well, camp in general. Uh, whether it, you you can have ten days of camp on your own campus. Um, or you can go out and, and be on the on the road for ten days attending satellite camps, or you can uh, kind of double up and, and do uh, camp at, at your own campus and attend a satellite camp, um, you know, somewhere else. But bottom line is, you only have ten days where you can have any sort of camps, and and so Nebraska is is trying to you know split this up and kind of piecemeal this thing where they can kind of maximize their efforts and be in multiple locations at the same time, plus still kind of do the the normal you know youth camps uh in lincoln and then your your other camps uh in addition to the friday night light camps that they have you're listening here to the husker line show sean callahan and nate klaus as uh, we discuss recruiting and nebraska nate lost the head of their uh recruiting personnel department this week bob welton somebody that you and i both got to know pretty well here the last couple of months um during a short stint in lincoln uh bob has taken a job at alabama uh, to become Nick Saban's uh, personnel director. Um, and, you know, talking to Bob um, in a text after he left, he said it should have been an easy decision, obviously, to go to Alabama in this role, but it wasn't. He had a lot of respect for Frost. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's Alabama. It's pretty hard uh, for Bob to, to turn down this opportunity. But now Nebraska has to go forward in a new direction. And it will be interesting to see what they do, Nate. Um, this was the only outside hire Scott Frost made on his entire staff in a major role. Everybody else came from UCF. So Bob was definitely kind of um, the outsider that came into the group that had already been really pretty well established um, and had a pretty big say in things. I'll be curious kind of how they evaluated that short time with him here and then what direction they want to go with that going forward. Yeah, it will be interesting to see you know, uh, you know what direction they go because Bob brought a lot of experience to the table. He uh, was the the director of recruiting at, at the University of Tennessee for five years and put together some really nice recruiting classes down there. Uh, you know, I think that he had two classes ranked in the top fifteen, uh, or actually, I'm, I take that back: four classes ranked in the top fifteen, and two were top five or better. So, um, so they were recruiting at a high level, and obviously, he had been able to develop a lot of uh, relationships 
relationships and some ties to some areas that this coaching staff at Nebraska wants to recruit, whether that's in the in Florida, Georgia, um, you know, Alabama, you know, down in the SEC country. So, um, you know, I, I think that in that respect, it, it could be kind of hard to to replace a guy that has that type of experience, um, you know, and and can is going to kind of run things, uh, you know, here at, in Lincoln. But uh, I guarantee you, knowing Coach Frost and the kind of the the way that he likes to operate, uh, seems like he he's very organized. Always has a couple guys in mind at every at every position. So I guarantee you, when this came up and and uh, when Bob decided to to go to to Alabama, I'm sure that Scott Frost already had a couple guys in mind that that he was going to reach out to and see if if they would be able to fill this position. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we talk uh, re- recruiting uh, for Nebraska. It's not really an ideal time, though, for this to go down right in the middle of the eval period. And it's been an interesting week, Nate, with Scott Frost and Nick Saban. Uh, they sparred back and forth a little bit about the uh, UCF proclaimed national championship, and then Nick Saban comes to Lincoln and takes away Scott's uh, director of personnel. So the two have had kind of an interesting week back and forth. Yeah, they really have. It has kind of been interesting to – to to see the the back and forth, um, yeah, and you're right. It's it's not an ideal time, but I I, I do think that it, there could be worse times uh, to lose somebody. Um, and and the bottom line is that you know Bob was only here for a couple months, and so it's kind of hard to to quantify you know how much this loss hurts Nebraska because I think he was really just kind of starting to get settled into this role, um, you know. But with with him gone, uh, I know that he was involved with. Uh, kind of coordinating a lot of the travel with the coaches being out on the road. Uh, I'm sure that, you know, there's a lot of other uh, personnel people that in uh, administrative people that have kind of had to probably pick up some of the slack there in, in Bob's uh, absence. So, um, you know, I, but you know, if they can get somebody in place before summer camp start, uh, and you, you're going to have when you're where you're going to have a lot of uh, you know information coming in, whether it's it's you know prospect lists and and uh, guys that that catch your eye at these satellite camps, or or even the kids that are coming to your own campus and, and going through camp, uh, I think that it's that you know having somebody in place for that is going to be really important. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus says. Uh, we talk recruiting here, and Nate, um, the staff um, is still on the road in their evaluation period. We're going to get a chance, though, this weekend to be in Chicago. Uh, you, myself, photographer Tyler Kreklau, videographer Greg Peterson, we'll have four people out at the final Rivals Camp Series event uh, that will take place at the College of DePage just outside of Chicago. Um, you've, you've seen kind of the early preliminary roster. Uh, we'll have a couple of Husker commits there, um, including uh, Garrett Nelson and Garrett Snodgrass, um, some other key targets as well that will be in Chicago. Yeah, and and, and those are the guys that I'm actually really interested to, to get a look at is is Garrett Nelson and Garrett Snodgrass. Um, you know, and, and mostly because I had an opportunity to watch a lot of those guys this past fall, especially Snodgrass. I think I saw him play four times, saw Garrett Nelson play twice, um, and and both are really, really impressive. But I, I, I want to see how they're you know going to – 
perform, you know, against some of the best players in the region here at the Chicago Rivals Camp? And, uh, and you know, what position does Garrett Snodgrass work out at? I'm assuming tight end is where he's going to uh, you know, compete at. And then same with uh, with Garrett Nelson. Does does he go with the linebackers or does he stick at defensive end? I know Nebraska is obviously recruiting him as a linebacker, but he's primarily played defensive end in high school. So, um, you know, there's going to be a lot of, a lot of question marks and I'm interested to see how these guys are going to compete. The one thing that I, I don't question is is how competitive these two actually are. Uh, I know that the, you know knowing these two guys, they're they're the types that are they're going to be cutting in line to get more reps and and to compete out there and and to uh, to really kind of showcase their ability. And and I think that these are two players that you know with good showings could have an opportunity to kind of raise their profile in terms of their overall rankings uh, this past or this this upcoming weekend. And Nate, as we wrap it up. Give me a couple of other guys in Chicago maybe you'll be watching closely this weekend. Yeah, a couple of St. Louis guys that, that have Nebraska offers. Uh, Mookie Cooper is is a pretty dynamic uh, playmaker from Trinity Catholic uh, that will be there. And Bryce Childress also. Uh, both these guys are, are players. You know, Mookie Cooper definitely is more of a, that running back, slot receiver, kind of Miles Jones type of player uh, that Nebraska signed this past year. Uh, he kind of fits that mold. And then Bryce Childress could play cornerback or wide receiver uh, at the next level and and both are still considering Nebraska you know St. Louis a lot of the top guys have already kind of you know committed or, or made their intentions known uh, but Nebraska is still in the mix with these two and, and I'm interested to see exactly how they perform well it should be a busy weekend for the Husker Line team as we will be in Chicago uh, on Sunday covering the RCS event so Plenty of preview coverage that will lead you into the event, and we'll have tons of coverage after as well. So make sure you log in to HuskerOnline.com throughout the weekend. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. 